Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I'll start something, uh, something funny. And I heard about this pastor who found a dead mule on his church grounds. He called the health department and they said they couldn't pick up the mule without authorization from the mayor. Well, the mayor was known to be very rude and hard to get along with. So when the pastor called the mayor, he didn't disappoint. He started ranting and raving and finally said to the pastor, isn't it your job to bury the dead? The pastor prayed and asked God for a right response. He said, yes, mayor, it is my job to bury the dead. But I always like to notify the next of kin first. <laughs> oh, that's pretty smart, isn't it? That's, that's, that's funny. That's funny. Come on, it's so good. Okay, so we're gonna, uh, I'm going to finish my part of the Kylo to keep your love on. Uh, and then Catherine will have the grand finale next week at the end of term before the holidays. Catherine will speak here next Sunday morning. So it's been absolutely amazing. And I'm going to finish the, uh, this morning with the little mini-series within the Kylo series, which has been on culture of honor. We're going to have a lot of scripture today. I love, who loves scripture? I love scripture. So you have a lot of scripture today. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So we were in the book of Romans. If you've been following this whole thing, First part of Romans, first one to, uh, chapters 1 to 11 always talks about uh, theology. First part of epistles always talk about theology, what Christ has done, who we've become in Christ. And the second part of an epistle is always talking then about relationship, how to implement who you've become, right? How then shall we live? And so we see this in, um, in Romans. We've been doing uh, chapter 12 uh, two weeks ago. Last week we did chapter 13. Today we're going to do chapter 14. So you're actually doing some good theological study here on a Sunday morning. Isn't it amazing? It's just amazing. And a key verse that we saw in Romans 12 was this one. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Wow. Pretty powerful scripture. God has brought us into this beautiful family of faith, which is really a family of love. We come into this culture of love. It's amazing how many people that I hear from who are coming in this church, coming, walking into this door, and then they meet people and they said, I don't know what it is about this place, but I feel so at home. I feel so loved. I feel so, there's something about this place. And that is so cool because together, we create that culture. It's not me and Catherine, it's us together. We create this culture of love. We go after who God is and what he wants to do. And so people come into that culture. And what happens then is then they step into the river of God. Woo! Here we go. And things start to happen in their lives. Very powerful. Very powerful. You can't you can be you can be excited about you know the gospel. So I'm I'm ha- very happy for you like these three people just now to to go with me and and say hi and uh, so anyway so culture of honor honor is a very very strong value of of heaven. It's how the Godhead they love and they have a culture of honor. That's how they operate together. It's the, it's the culture. It's the nature of God itself. And as we've seen before, I see a few things uh, from the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to dig a little bit deeper about this stuff. Honor is really the health. It's really, it really, it's really the glue between our relationships. We honor one another. It's the glue, and it keeps our relationship healthy and vibrant. 
When we truly honor, we don't have backbiting, gospel, all this kind of stuff. We, we honor, we love, we prefer one another in love, which is very, very powerful. In verse 8, it says this. Look, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. There's only one debt that we have. Isn't it wonderful? And the debt is to love one another. What a great debt to have, isn't it? To love one another. Why don't you say to your neighbor, I'm indebted to you to love you. I'm indebted to you to love you. In the Passion Translation, verse 9, it says, Love and value others in the same way you love and value yourself. Now, guys, this is very, very important. Now, we've talked a little bit about the whole thing of valuing yourself. You've got to come to the realization that God loves you and that you are his prince, his princess, his son and daughter, all this kind of stuff. Very, very important, right? But it says here that you value others in the same way you love and value yourself. Value is something that is often missing around the world, really, in relationship. People don't feel valued or sometimes they don't know what value they really have. They've not come into that revelation necessarily. And so one of the most beautiful things that honor does, it adds value to other people. I think it's the most powerful thing of the whole thing of honor, that it adds value to other people's lives. And it sees potential, it sees encouragement to bring them into that kind of place. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. So not just value people in the same way you value yourself, it says then to value people above yourself. Come on, what a world this would be if we value other people as more important, more awesome, more valuable than ourselves. Now the only way you can do this and the only way Jesus knew how to do this is because he knew value. There was no identity issue around his value. Because if you have an identity issue around your value, if you're still stuck somewhere in this tall poppy thing, you know, if you don't think that then you will not be able to value other people because when you put value on other people, then you will straight away question yourself, but what about, what about me? Right? But if you are full of it, my wife always says, you're full of it, man. And I take it as a compliment. I'm full of it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm full of beautiful things. That's how I take it. That's my positivity coming through, you know. I only think it's positive. You're full of it. Great. Thank you. Full of love, full of kindness, full of everything. Life-giving, love-giving. It's awesome. You're full of it. Darling, you're full of it too. It's awesome, you know. Full of it. Full of it. It's so value other people above yourself. Very important. Passion translation. Be free from prideful opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. It says in the bottom, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Man, so my question to you and to me is who are we adding value to today? In your life, who are you? I mean, it's obvious that you do for your kids. I hope you are adding value to the kids, you know? Because I hear a lot of stories too, you know, in our pastoral work of people who are not good. Kids have not had great parents, you know, so that's not good. Add value to your kids. Add value to your marriage. Add value to your friendship. Add value to other people in the street. Add value. Everywhere you go, add value. i tell you something. I'm not perfect yet, although my wife says I am perfect. I, I don't feel I'm perfect yet. 
Sorry, I shouldn't say that all the time. I'm really sorry. Um, um, that the thing is, when even in the series right now, and my my um, my challenge for myself, when you start reading this stuff and you start saying, "Listen, I I am so selfish, and I really need to change. How can God change me?" And I have noticed that I am changing. And the thing is, though. What is changing is that my, my lens is kind of changing. So it's not like in a, in a particular time i got to now perform or not perform or react or not react. It's like, hey, instead of being, being in this place here that I used to be, now I'm a little bit in this place here. And so my lens has changed a little bit. And so now I'm actually looking for opportunities. I look for opportunities now everywhere to add value to people. One of the most beautiful things, I haven't done it much, but I love, and I'll hear those stories from around the world too, but the, when somebody, like I had it the other day because somebody had no money at the, at, the, um, at, the, at the cashier, so I said, I'll pay for that. I said, what are you, what, you're going to pay for this? I said, yeah, I'll pay for that. The, the, I love that, you know. When people just totally don't expect somebody else to pay for them, you know. Those kind of things, adding value, just kind of out of nowhere, you see an opportunity here, say, oh, my, my car is, I've got no cash, the car's not working, I've got no phone, I can't, you know what I mean? Stuck. And then you come like, here's, here, this is my card. I mean, that's what Jesus would do, right? But the thing is, though, if you're thinking about this, you said, no, you're too bad, you know? You think like, you know, please come, go somewhere, you know, please hurry up, you know, find something, you know, that kind of attitude, you know? But the thing is, though, when you change your attitude and saying, hey, I want to be Jesus here, I want to actually be kind, I want to be honoring, hey, then opportunities are everywhere. Looking for added value in other people is very, very powerful, and it's the best antidote to selfishness. Serious. The best thing, because sometimes look to ourselves, poor me, or me, me first, or whatever, all the time, you know, instead of saying, hey, no, I'm looking to other people in this way. That's why I love the prophetic so much, because the prophetic always looks to the other person. I had a prophetic uh, word the other day, I won't say what it is, who, who it's with, and I, I was doing something to the person, and they came pray for me, and I prayed for him, I saw this picture, and I spoke this thing into his life, and at the same time, he did, after that, I, I prayed that, he gave something to me, and acted in the same thing that I just spoken to him about and he didn't know that I was going to say I didn't know I was going to say this and then he it was completely affirming what he was just doing towards me and what he was called to do now do you think I've added value to the guy absolutely added value to the guy because I had a prophetic thing I called him into glory into the thing is what he's good at and what he's called to do and he was encouraged because he, did, he didn't know I was he was going to do what he was going to do I know I couldn't say what it is, but you know what I mean? So it, that's why Paul says, I want everybody to prophesy. Why? Because for one, you're looking at the other person. They say, what, what is the person? Lord, how do you see that? What's going on? What's, you know, you're always thinking about that person, right? Instead of saying about you, you're thinking about the other person. So it's very life-giving. And often prophetic speaks life into other people. It encourages, it blesses, it draws gold out of other people. I love it. I love it. And looking at the whole thing of relationships now, I mean, the most wonderful thing is that we can build people up. Come on, we can build people up. Jesus, the only thing he did, building people up all the time, whether healing, whether speaking truth, or whatever it was, he always tried to build people up, lift them into their value, lift them into seeing maybe a different way of the way they see themselves, all this kind of stuff. It is so powerful. People don't know how God sees them. Some of us don't even know how God sees us. 
Sophie's going to be amazing going to the father house. I mean, you, you, you see yourself now as a daughter. But, man, you go for a week or three months. I mean, it's going to be amazing. You'll be like on cloud nine or ten. You know, it's just like, because you so know who you are. And then she will be so amazing because out of that new identity of hers or that reshaping of identity, she'll be able to minister to people in the most powerful way and add value everywhere she goes. That's what Jesus did. He just added value. The Bible says he did good. Everywhere he went, he did good. He just did good. He couldn't do bad. He did good. All the way, he did good. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. I think uh, I heard uh, something the other day about the interns. Sometimes they have to do a, a negativity fast. It's part of the internship program, I think it is. I don't know how it works with this whole thing. But I think we should do a negativity fast in our church. And not only that, I think we should do a negativity fast for life. I think we should, we should say, let's just not be negative anymore. Let's just look at the positive in people's lives because honor says, I'm going to celebrate who you are and I'm not going to stumble of, over who you're not yet. And it's so easy in marriages, in relationships, in friendships, in all kinds of situations that we stumble over. Man, he's awesome, but that really irritates me. And I'm going to stumble over that thing because if he doesn't sort that one out, I can't live with him, I can't move with him, I can't love him, I can't, all this kind of stuff. That stumbling block, and so many of us do it. I do it. If I do it, you do it. <laughs> right? Yeah, we do it kind of stuff. And the thing is, though, it's not very life-giving. And that's why we need to change this lens and see this lens that God sees, how God sees people as valuable. And then we can start adding value to other people's lives. And then as we honor, we start highlighting, exposing, bringing out of people who they really are. I tell you, it's the most wonderful testimony in our church, in my life, in my, our ministry, I think. One of the highlights of our ministry is somebody... It was actually your letter the other day, Sophie. That, sorry to say to you again, but she wrote me a letter the other day. I mean, it's just to read that, it makes you cry. That's exactly why we do the stuff that we do. Bring people into a greater revelation of who they are, loving on them, blessing them. They feel blessed. They come alive in Christ. That's why this church, that's what we do. But you are the church. Not only this building and when you come in on Sunday morning, you are the church. So wherever you go... You can change the environment. You can change the culture. I was talking to somebody the other day, actually yesterday. I won't say who it is because I can't do that. But the thing is, though, they were saying how the, how the thing is changing, how the favor of God is in their lives, in their workplace. They are really struggling with some issues like that. Say, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to do And favor is just coming through. It's just unbelievable. And that person is changing her culture through the power of the Holy Spirit because she doesn't get all antagonistic or kind of a pity party or getting bitter or getting, hey, these guys don't love me or whatever. But she's going to take leadership and say, hey, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to, I'm going to go into the opposite spirit and I'm going to actually love on people. I'm going to ask God to give me revelation wisdom and I'm going to speak into people's lives and see what happens. Now, it doesn't mean that people are always going to react favorably, you know, because they don't. People <laughs> you know, it's like with enemies, you know, you can love your enemies, but you could maybe love on them and you give them food and you give them water and you give them love and stuff, you know, calls on their heads. Because they don't really want to love you. But of course, they want to have a change of heart. And instead of accelerating the whole thing and being their enemy and kind of accelerating in World War Three or Four or Five, you know, why don't you just kind of say, hey, I'm just going to take a step back. I'm actually going to not do that. I'm actually going to do like Jesus. I'm actually going to call, I'm going to go in the opposite spirit. And the thing is, though, then you, not only do you diffuse the situation, but you actually show them there's another way. Yeah. There's actually another way that we can do stuff. 
in our lives. Amen? Amen? So we can shape people's lives. With our honor, with our love, we can change people's lives. We can draw people out of neglect. We can draw people out of despair. We can draw people out of pain. We can draw people out of rejection. We can draw people out of all kinds of things that people find themselves in, including church. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I could take all my time to go to the people out there and not having to serve you. But it is not that way. But it is getting better. You guys are getting awesome. It's amazing. You're getting awesomer, awesomer, and awesomer. So that's wonderful because then we can spend more time. The more awesome you are and the more awesome we are as a church, then we don't have to take all that time of eternal things to figure this all out. Of course, we love each other. It's automatic because we know this. Then we can we start looking at. And of course, that's what I think. You know, I was thinking before. I was just praying. I said, Lord, that's, that's what you say. They will know us by our love. You know, it, it's not just like, I just love you, you know, uh, kind of, not like that. It is like reality of loving in hard situations, coming in opposite spirits, saying, this is not normal, you know. That we saw in the early church in Acts 2, that, that kind of love that people say, see, right? And that will, they will be very jealous and say, something's going on here. And, they'll start, and then the Holy Spirit will start to work in them. This is how it works. It's very, very powerful when we sort our stuff out. true. You're very, very quiet. I don't know why you're so quiet this morning. I love that. The hardest thing to do is to love people who hurt you. And the hardest things, like enemies, right? The hardest thing to do is to love people who continue to make the same mistake. Now, it irritates the heck out of me, too, when people do that. And when they can't see it or do it on purpose, that's even worse. But the thing is, though, we are still called to love. We're still called to honor the person, but not necessarily agree with the actions or the stuff that they're actually doing. But in, in those moments, we can actually choose to reject the whole person. Or we can start saying, no, no, I'm going to speak life into this person. Because they are reacting because of something. Because we're all broken people, see? And something has been pushed in this person. Something happened to this person somewhere. And then you just notice this whole thing. That's why God loves you so much and me. That's why he loves us unconditionally. Because he sees us in perfection. He sees us like you really are. There's no pretense. And because of that love, we can then just be ourselves. And then you can start dealing with the stuff in our lives. Often, often effortlessly, if we allow him, because his love is so powerful, so empowering, so, such a strength, so, so encouraging that you now are able to face the things you could never face before. I think it's really powerful. I think we have such an amazing God. I think we have such an amazing church that we can see the stuff in our lives come to fruition. And that's why I expect all of us to grow. All of us. It's not difficult. But you've got to open your heart. You can't react. You can't, you know, people do that too. You know, they become, instead of coming better, they become bitter. And they walk away. And then they start criticizing people. It's so sad because the only thing they're doing is ruining their own lives. They, they, they will not be happy people. It's never, never happy. Never happy to criticize and point a finger to other people. Are you a life giver? Are you a person who's looking to do good? Are you a person who is actually finding good in other people? 
bit of a challenge, isn't it, in our lives? Or are we going to stumble, reject, get cynical? I love you guys, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, Graham and Sandy, you, are, you, are, you really are my heroes, uh, in the sense of uh, there's more heroes than you, but you are amazing people, and we love what you do, because you actually honor the church. You honor where Jesus died for. You honor the people who are broken, who are behind bars, who can't help themselves, and you work them. That's self-giving, that's, that's, that, that's Christ. And that's why I love so much your ministry. That's why we are so proud of you as a church, that we support you guys. And I just want to, again, affirm you as people who actually live in honor. Because it's an honorable thing for you to lay down your life, you know, for a friend and for other people around the nation. So we, we honor you and we salute you uh, in everything that you do. Paul, Paul says to strip away those things that we talked about last week. Strip away those things. It says in verse 12 here, must once for all strip away what is done in the shadow of darkness, removing those like clothes. And then verse 13, live, live honorably, surrounded by the light of a new day. In 14, fully immerse yourself in, in God. See, we, we all are broken people. And so we deal every day with broken people. And so the beauty of our call then as a people is to speak life into the brokenness. And it's just so incredibly honoring to be able to do this in people's lives. And then all of us can put on God as like these clothes. We put on Christ. We put on love. We put on honor. We put on respect. And then we live. And then Christ's life flows through us. It's so beautiful. Now, in Romans 14, Paul continues this theme. He says, stand. I'll ask you to read together because you've been sitting for a long time. I want us to stand together, and this is the first part of Romans 15. Let's just, let's just read it together out loud so you can participate and you can read some scripture. Amen? Here we go, loud and clear. Offer an open hand of fellowship to welcome every true believer, even though their faith may be weak and immature. And refuse to engage in debates with them concerning nothing more than opinions. For example, one believer has no problem with eating all kinds of food, but another with weaker faith will eat only vegetables. The one who eats freely shouldn't judge and look down on the one who eats only vegetables. And the vegetarian must not judge and look down and say the one who eats everything. Remember... God has welcomed him or her and taken him or her as his partner. Who do you think you are to sit in judgment of someone else's household servant? His own master is the one to evaluate whether he succeeds or fails. And God's servant will succeed for God's power supports them and enables them to stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your, your, your power says here enables us to stand in the revelation that we each one already have. And so, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit strengthens us. Your word strengthens us. It brings revelation. It brings clarity. It empowers us. It gives us new lenses. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what's the problem here? Just very quickly. The problem here is that Paul is dealing with people and that people have come to Christ. So we have Jewish Christians and you have Gentile Christians. The theme still is the same. A bit of Bible study here. They love your neighbor as yourself. Honor one another above yourself. So the Jewish Christians are saying here, hey, listen, you've come into the faith, but you've got to still keep those Old Testament things. So it's a bit of a struggle here between works 
and grace and law and grace. He says you have to do this kind of stuff. And now Paul spent a lot of time in the first part of Romans to deal with mistaken teaching that Gentiles who become Christians had to also keep the Old Testament laws in order to be saved. It was a really big problem. And you see this problem right here. He already dealt with the circumcision in Romans 4, proving that circumcision or any other part of the law was unnecessary for salvation, but that salvation is by faith through grace in Christ alone. And nothing to do with the law and the things like this. Now, Paul brings two more things, which is going to be very interesting to look at for a moment. Two more stumbling blocks that are here, particularly for the Jewish Christians. One is eating meats, because in the law, they declared unclean. Two, observing special days like the Sabbath. Now, it says here a few times about being a vegetarian is that you are weak. Now, this is not, if you're a vegetarian, praise God, you're a vegetarian. You know, there's nothing to do with being a vegetarian in this way. The context is that you can actually hear, you'll see it in a minute, that you can eat, Paul says, in Christ, whatever you want, right? So let's settle that for once. You can eat whatever you want. You are free to eat whatever you want. But that's what he's going after. Don't offend, because we're talking about love and honor. Don't offend the people who don't have that revelation because the Jewish people didn't have that revelation, Jewish Christians, that it is clean now to eat meat. So they're not eating meat and they're criticizing the Gentiles that, hey, you shouldn't eat. It shouldn't mean eat. Eat meat. <laughs> you shouldn't eat meat anymore, but you should eat vegetables only. And they said, no, 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 we're free in Christ. So they don't have the revelation. So now Paul says they're actually the weaker ones. Now, they're not actually weaker in that sense, but they're weaker in revelation of Christ, weaker in what has come to them because they come out of the law. And now they've come into a New Testament, New Covenant grace. So that's why they're struggling with this issue. See, Paul is trying to bring unity. He's trying to bring unity and dissolve some of this antagonism and all this fighting that is going on and not offending one another. You understand that, right? And so he says to the Gentile Christians in verse 20 in a minute, you, you can get anything you want, but... Don't despise the weak Jewish brothers and sister, but keep the unity. Keep your love on. That's not what he said. That's what Danny Silk said. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it sounds good, doesn't it? Keep your love on. So Paul establishes here a principle. And this principle is that who has a greater revelation of their freedom in Christ, he calls here the stronger ones. And the ones who don't yet display that freedom, they're called the weaker ones because they don't understand yet. Now, a lot of this has to do with revelation. A lot of this has to do with opinions. And we've seen this already before. We saw it last week. And again, here it talks about opinions. Opinions are very, very dangerous. We all have opinions. I talked last week about Dutch people have very strong opinions about life. Actually, I think Europeans have very strong opinions about life. Maybe even South Americans also have strong opinions, right? They're going to fight. God bless you here. Welcome to this place here from Chile, these friends of, um, of Raymond and um, Sandy. And, uh, you know, very, you know, like uh, opinions. But the thing is, though, when we fight in Holland, like I said last week, when we fight, we don't really fight. We just look like we're fighting. But we're talking about opinions. We're trying to find clarity because you have pinky, I am a middle finger, you are a thumb. And together we find the truth. That, that's how we think. 
And so, and so it's, but opinions are very, very dangerous. And they can kill relationships. They can kill marriages. They can kill friendships, all kinds of stuff. Remember Philippians 2, be free from pride-filled opinions. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Opinions can really hurt other people. Your opinions, putting it on other people, can really hurt other people. Shoving opinions down other people's throats can really hurt other people. And we all have them. We all have opinions, right? (laughs) Ten. Most of you have opinions, I know. And then we hurt other people by not honoring their opinions because we think our opinion is better or more right, right? Some of you say yes, so you are exactly, this is for you today. And we don't value their opinion, right? We don't value other people. You know, this is a big deal. Nations go over war in the stuff. America is divided right through the middle because of opinion. This nation, the abortion issue, by the way, we didn't say that, the abortion issue. Um, the abortion flyers are there on the uh, reception because this week the submissions have to be given to. So make sure you vote. Make, may your voice be heard that we value life. Yes, we value the mother too, but we value life. And so please, all of us, uh, I, I trust, uh, be encouraged to look at this and to, and to have your voice heard. But it's, it's cut down the middle even in here. Cannabis, another one. Opinions in this nation cut down the middle in different ways. Brexit in Europe. I mean, come on. All the stuff that is going on in Europe, all these things, opinions. It is so dangerous because it can divide nations. It can divide marriages. It can divide friendships. It can divide churches. Churches have been split because of opinions. Opinions are very, very powerful and very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. See, honor adds value to other people. They say, hey, your opinion actually matters. Mine does too, but yours does too. And there's not this kind of antagonizing thing. So we see here, even with the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, it's because of revelation, but they have these opinions about that because they haven't got the revelation yet. And all, but all of us are like that, right? Even in marriages, we have different opinions because of our own revelation of what we think is right or how we've been brought up or everything. A mojo, right? We bring that into any relationship, right? We bring our, our thing. And so then in our own security, we say, I'm right. Right? No? Yeah. I mean, Catherine says always, I'm right. I mean, I'm, no, no, she, yeah. She says, I'm right. Not, not I'm right, but she's right. No, she doesn't. She says that uh, always I'm right. So thank you for that, Catherine. Be careful about opinions. No, she doesn't. Be life-giving and build up people. You guys shouldn't. We just, we just banter a little bit. Don't, don't take too serious. Hey, Sometimes, Some of you come to us, write letters to us. Hey, is this okay? To, are your marriage okay? The thing is, this is legal. At least I can do this. If I start doing this with somebody else, you know, I do a mala or whatever, then, then Stephen gets upset, you know. So I can't do that. So I can't use my wife, and she feels like a bit of a punching bag, but she loves it. She gets, <laughs> she gets paid for this job, so that's all good. First five. <laughs> Am I digging myself deep? 
I love it. I get everybody laughing, though. Anyway, so in the same way, verse 5, one person regards a certain day as more sacred than another. Another person regards them more alike. There's nothing wrong with having different personal convictions. See? About such matters. For the person who observes one day as especially sacred does it what? To honor the Lord. That's what they want to do. And the same is true in regards to a person each. The one who eats everything eats to honor the Lord. But because he gives thanks to God and the one who has a special diet does it also to honor the Lord and also gives thanks. So no one lives to themselves or no one dies to himself. While we live, we must live for our master. In death, we must bring honor to him, right? In the end, it's all about honoring God. So death, dead or alive, we belong to our master. For this very reason, the anointed one died and was brought back to life again so that he would become the Lord of God of both the dead and the living. It doesn't matter what you eat. Tell your neighbor, it doesn't matter what you eat. God loves meat eaters. God, and the meat eater said, hallelujah. God loves vegetable eaters. And they all said, hallelujah too. Just give thanks to God and love what you eat. Verse 10, why would you judge over your brother or sister because of their diet, despising them for what they eat or don't eat? And that's what he's trying to get at because people are criticizing each other. Hey, you shouldn't eat meat. And Paul says, no, you're free in Christ. You can eat whatever you like. So don't despise other people. Now, I say don't eat whatever you like, right? Again, this is not the context right now. This is not a health seminar, right, today, right? But the thing is, though, please make sure that you eat well. Sugar is not good for you. <laughs> Smoking is not good for you. There's a lot of things that are not good for you. So don't eat it. Because you're going to kill yourself. You're going to get sick. Because the highest, the highest... Um, Bell cancer, he's a surgeon over there, surgeon. Highest bell, bell cancer surgeon, that right here. And the thing is, though, we have this, this bowel cancer in the world, right here, in this nation. It's because of eating, right? It's, it's things that we eat. Now, some is hereditary, but most of it is because of eating, guys. We eat too much. I can't say those words here, but it feels really good to say those words, you know? Bad stuff, you know? We eat that stuff. Don't do it. And make sure you have a lot of phasals. Fiber. Make sure you have fiber, because then... It, <laughs> If you do eat meat, make sure you have a lot of fiber because then the meat gets all, this doesn't get stuck there. It goes through your body. <laughs> Catherine will do the health seminar next Sunday morning and tell you all about all this stuff about being healthy and all this kind of stuff in your life. Another scripture is more helpful in this regard. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are bought with a price, therefore honor the Lord with your body. Make sure you put the right fuel in your body. Amen? Amen. Let's leave it there. Very clear. So, anyway. So Paul is talking about relationships here, not offending or hurting one another. Verse 10. We're almost, not almost done, but kind of getting close to it being done. Uh, For we each have our turn to stand before God's judgment seat, just as it is written, as surely as I am the living God, I tell you, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will confess the truth and glorify me. Therefore, each one of you must answer for yourself and give a personal account of his own life before God. Now, now some of us freak out. I said, are you serious? Are you going to tell me that when I stand in the judgment seat of Christ and right there he's going to show the video of my life? No. If you're in Christ, 
He's taken, actually the whole world, but if you're in Christ by faith and you receive this forgiveness, your sins have been wiped as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. He's not talking about that kind of stuff here. What he is saying is everybody is accountable and will be judged on what you did with Jesus. What do you do with Jesus? Did you accept him? Did you love him? Or did you reject him? Because that will be the difference between an eternal life with God and eternal life without God. So it's very, very powerful here. But don't freak out some of you who are saying, hey, the video is being shown. No, the video will not be shown. The video, by mistake maybe, no. It was wiped. It was wiped. There is no video. Praise Jesus. Everybody say praise Jesus. Come on. There's no one in this building who can't say praise Jesus that that stuff is not being shown for everybody to see because that would be blimmin' embarrassing for everybody to see. Our task is to love one another, not to judge other people, to love one another. God has given his son for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news of God. He did his bit. Now it's our bit to respond to the message. Verse 13. So stop. This is for some of us. For stop being critical and condemning of other believers. It's actually in the Bible. Some of you, stop being critical and condemning of, I can't believe the friendly fire that I see around Facebook and Instagram and what I hear. Friendly fire. We shoot our own soldiers. It is the worst thing ever. Because it completely disarms people. It disowns people. It shows dishonor. How can we shoot each other? We've got a whole world to save. Come on, guys. We can't do this. But instead, he says, determined to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of your actions. <laughs> That's pretty deep, isn't it? I can do a whole sermon on that one. Man, I know and I'm convinced by personal revelation from the, Holy, from the Lord, Paul saying, that there is nothing wrong with eating any food. And everybody say, praise Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean everything is good for you. Okay. But to the one who considers this to be unclean, it is unacceptable. So when it's unclean for you, you shouldn't be eating it because he'll say in a minute, if it's not done by faith, it is actually sin. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. What he's saying. Determine to never deliberately cause a brother or a sister to. So that means, like practically, if somebody has a kind of alcohol, even alcohol in this room, there'll be a lot of meanings, opinions about do we drink alcohol as Christians? Do we not drink alcohol as Christians? All kinds of stuff, opinions. But it says here that if you know somebody has an alcohol problem, that you don't take him to the bar down the road and show him how free you are in Christ. You know? That's not how it works, you know? That is just mean, you know? This is absolutely wrong. And you make him uncomfortable, make him stumble. That is just silly, right? So we don't do this kind of, We don't make other people. If we know somebody has a problem with something, then I think it is our way to say, hey, if you have a problem with that, I'm going to honor that, you know? And if it means that I don't eat that stuff or drink that stuff for a moment, then so be it. Amen? Verse 15, if your brother or sister, we're almost done, guys. Brother or sister is offended because you, it's good stuff, isn't it? A lot of Kylo stuff, isn't it? Keeping your love on. Um, because they insist of eating what you want. It is no longer love that rules your conduct. See, that's what Paul is after. He wants us to be ruled by love. Amen? Ruled by love, ruled by honor in our life. Why would you wound someone for whom the Messiah gave his life 
just so you can eat what you want. So don't give people the opportunity to slander what you know to be good. It'd be awesome, you know, if we can become sensitive, you know, to other people. Sensitive to their needs. And if, it's, if, it, if it doesn't work, if it's not good to maybe eat that or drink that or even say that, or it, it, it's everything in life, then maybe be careful. Because what is love in this matter? Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food or drink, but it is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, serving the anointed one by walking in this kingdom reality, pleasing God, and that <clears throat> and earns the respect of others. See, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. The kingdom of God is not about rules and regulations. That's religion. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it's very, very powerful. Now, righteousness here in this context is not the gift of righteousness, which you get when you become a Christian, right? When you say yes to Jesus, he gives you the gift of righteousness. Now you are righteous in my sight forever, right? That, that's the gift. Of, here it is not. Here it is relational righteousness which is based on the gift of righteousness but he's talking about relationship here in context here it is relational righteousness it is right living the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is love joy peace the Holy Spirit lives in honor God lives in honor so when we start living in honor then the kingdom of God is in that sense righteousness right living joy because you have right living and peace because it's great to live in this kind of thing. So these things are very much, but they're relationally here. Re Do you see that? It's a relational thing here. It's not about rules, regulations. That's in the old covenant. We are now in a new covenant. We are free. Based on a new command to love and to honor one another. Now we come to a verse which I think could be one of the best verses in this thing. In the, uh, the Kylo series. Look at this series, guys. How good this is. Verse 19. So then... Make it your top priority. Let's say it together. So then, make it your top priority to live a life of peace and harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Isn't that a great verse? I think that, that just shows the whole Kylo thing. If we can get this as a church, if we can get this as a people, if you get this personally, the top priority to live a life of peace, of harmony in your relationship, eagerly to strengthen, encourage other people. Stop ruining, it says 20, the work of God by insisting on your opinions. Now here it's about food, but it could be any opinions. You can eat anything you want, but it's wrong to deliberately cause someone to be offended at what you eat. Consider it an act of love to refrain from eating meat or drinking wine or doing anything else that would cause a fellow believer to be offended or tempted uh, to be weakened in his faith. Keep the convictions that you have about these matters between you and God and don't impose. Everybody say, don't impose. Man, we so impose ourselves on other people, right? Our opinions. Don't impose ourselves. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. By the one who has misgivings, feels miserable if he eats meat. But he doubts and doesn't eat in faith. For anything we do that doesn't spring from faith is by definition sinful. I told you it's in the Bible. So whatever is good for you, whatever you have faith for, whatever you believe in, it's fine for you. But don't do the stuff that you don't have faith for, revelation for, of all this kind of stuff in this way. So Paul here is really after relationships. He is after unity. He is after symphony harmony in relationship, looking out for each other, 
honoring one another and loving one another and don't insisting on going after your own opinions all the time. We all are different. I mean, if you're married, you know how different you are. You really are. And one of the things we have to learn is to honor one another and honor one another's differences. Catherine is the opposite to me. Now, honestly with you, it's not always easy. Because if you're somewhere completely different than you are and try to live with that, there has to be an awful lot of love to everything to be perfect all the time, you know, because like prefer one another, we love you more, love you more, love you more. I mean, you can do that for a while, you know, but because it's so made differently. But all of us are made differently. In friendships, when you work, whatever you do, you're made differently. So one of the most powerful things for us to learn, and we see it here at Paul, is to, 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 to kind of keep your opinions to yourself, but don't to impose them on other people and to honor. That's the whole thing. The whole valuing of other people's opinion at also, is also good. It may not be your opinion, my opinion. I don't agree with your opinion, but it's fine. I will still honor you. Now, this week we had a bit of a, a banter in our, in our leadership team. Uh, at, 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 at church, uh, at our meeting, we, have, we always kind of recap what happens on Sunday, and, and I, I thought I did very well. Um, don't laugh at me, you weren't even there anyway. Um, I did very well. My opinion was that I did very well, the right thing, and I told them why, right? And some of the others did not agree. They said, no, I don't think this opinion, their opinion was like, no, we felt you should have done maybe, maybe that, or let this go, or let that. I said, okay. But the thing is, though, instead of saying, Great, thank you for your opinion and appreciate it, you know, and just live and be happy. I reacted. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I reacted. And so I said, no, I am actually right because of the, the right thing and I'm the boss. No, you know, <laughs> I, I want to do this thing, you know. And, um, but it was hard for me and I, later on I felt like, no, and we actually had to apologize to each other uh, in this area. <laughs> Jonathan is looking up there, my son Jonathan. And the thing is that we, I had to apologize. Listen, guys, this is, this is not how we roll. You know, I want to, I want to live in, in, a, in a situation that we honor one another. It's often very fiery uh, in our leadership meetings uh, because a lot of strong people uh, in our lives, uh, it's, very, it's very powerful. But the thing is, though, we have to make sure that we, that we actually, I need to learn to not, to not react in this way, but to react with honor and to react with, with love because in the end, it's not about my opinion or their opinion. It's keeping the unity of the love and, and learning to work together even though we are very different. Even if you think you're right, enforcing that may be wrong. And I'll finish with this, the band can come up. Uh, what happened um, a couple of years ago, I had a bit of an issue in the city here with another church. I, I was, um, I had come into some revelation and I, I, um, I struggled. I, I was actually telling my, my version of my revelation to the other church and to the other leader. And, I said, you know, I, I believe this, you know, I'm right. You know? And um, they didn't think so, you know. And, um, but what happened was not, I just, I'm being very vulnerable here, guys, today. I mean, I hope you have the same story as I am, otherwise I get fired, you know. Um, but the thing is, though, I, 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 I was really bad because I, I'm a little bit Dutch and I can be a bit flary and my personality is a bit like, I was born in South America, like I said to his friends, I'm also born in South America. So South Americans are kind of, they're quite flamboyant, you know, they're kind of like, they react, they're not like people just quiet, like Catherine, she's quiet, she thinks about it and meditates on it and then come back to me, you know. And I said, no, no, I kind of, ah, you know, and so, and so I, um, I got into it and I, I said some bad things about that leader and about the church. It was really bad. And it was quite a long time ago, it's like five years ago now. And basically, God one time told me, he says, Gideon, it is more important for you to love than to be right. 
whether you think you're right or not, or whether you even are right or not, is actually not the issue. And so this is a very, very strong example of what Paul has talked about. My attitude was not very kind because I, I had a revelation which may or may not have been the right revelation or that other person didn't have that revelation, whether right or wrong. I'm not making judgment right now on this whole situation. But I should have honored their revelation and not talk bad about it or have an attitude about it. Now, I had an attitude. So I, I, I went to God says it's more important to be wrong. Because the thing is, though, thinking here, yeah, this is quite a nice line, thinking that I am right does not give me the right to enforce my righteousness. Right? It doesn't give me the right. And I had to go to that leader in the city and to apologize. And some of you know this who are in the church here. And it was a beautiful reconciliation. Love. I said, will you please forgive me? I did wrong to you. You know, I was really bad because I, I really didn't love you. But you know, that example, we all have this. We all have it in, 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 our, in our lives that we react and we attitude problem. And then later on, oh, man, I should never have said this. And then we have to apologize. And maybe there's some even right now, you're thinking about this and there's an attitude with somebody in your life. And you think like, man, I need to actually actually make up maybe there's somebody there and I encourage you to make up and say listen it's not it's not about right being right it's not about your opinion you can have your opinion but let it not be a negative thing to somebody else in particular let's honor somebody else's opinion amen it's pretty powerful and so I pray that that we are coming into this culture of honor here in this church that we learn to do relationships well I've loved this whole thing of doing the Kylo series and I think many of you have done it and hopefully it's changed your life. I've had a lot of people tell me how it has really challenged and, and because, you know, iron sharpens iron. This morning was a, was a picture in the, in the prayer room about this river. There was this, like thousands, thousands of the Waimek River with the stream. A lot of stones have been, how many, how many tons, like 30 tons or something of stones like have gone down the river because of the river. But the thing is though, if you think about you being a little pebble, all of us are being stoned and it's the river of God flowing down and each of us are this pebble and we're being flowed by the river and he brings life to us. But then we, we hit each other and then and then we gotta live with each other and then and then sharpens, you know, iron sharpens iron or stone, sharpens stone, you know, like this together. And and, and God uses us to shape us, you know, into what he wants us to be. And it's a powerful picture of what he wants to do in our church. That we love and honor one another. And see the best in other people. And don't stumble over the things that is not right. The stuff that I do. Don't get upset about the stuff. Come talk to me if you want to. But don't get upset about all these things. It's not worth it. Life is too short. Keep your attitude right. Keep your heart to love and to honor your marriages and your friendships. Amen? It's very, very powerful. So, Father, we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to enlighten us in these ways. All of us have issues and opinions that need to be checked by the Holy Spirit, that need to be going through a, a truth meter, if you like. They have to be tested if they're true or not. But above all, Lord, we, we pray that you help us to love one another, to honor one another, to put others first and not my rightness or my opinions or my ways. Holy Spirit, do a deep work in each one of us that we will become even more beautiful people reflecting Christ, reflecting God. Even now in a moment, right now, just think about a thing. Just think about a moment for something that's going on. Father, thank you for healing us right now. 
Thank you, Lord. Maybe some of you have got to forgive yourself. God's already forgiven you, but sometimes you've got to forgive yourself and come into your freedom. Maybe some of us after the service got to go and talk to somebody. I say, I'm sorry about my attitude. It was a bad attitude. I want to change. Thank you, Father.